Again, we're so glad to have you with us this morning. This pastor has been teaching and preaching through the book of James, the Bible book of James. It's a, a message series called Faith Works. And uh, we usually work with a, what we call a sermon study guide. If you would like to take notes and have the outline of this message and be able to better follow along, we have a sermon study guide available for you. If you don't have one, lift up your hand and the ushers will make sure they get one to you immediately this morning. But James, chapter 4, within God's word. I understand that our dramatic readers have already read the word of the Lord to you this morning, but James chapter 4 verse 1 to get ready this morning as we share God's word. Johnny was three years old and still hadn't spoken a word. This was strange. This was odd. Can you imagine having a three-year-old son that was unable to speak, unable to talk, can you imagine having a three-year-old son that hadn't verbalized one phrase, one word? Some of you would, oh, you'd love that, okay. And mom and dad were scared. They took little Johnny to the doctor. The doctor checked them all out, both mentally, psychologically, physiologically. The doctor gave him an A-plus rating. He said, Johnny will end up speaking when he feels like it. Age four, nothing. Five, nothing. Age six, on a Monday morning, eating his oatmeal at the breakfast table, suddenly, mommy and daddy heard this from across the table. Fuck! I hate this junk! Johnny! Johnny! You can talk. You can speak. You, you have spoken your first few words. This is wonderful. Johnny, why did you wait until now to talk? Johnny looked at him and said, Well, up until now, everything's been great. <laughs> when we read through the book of James, James chapter 1, Oh, it's inspiring. James chapter 2, oh, so instructive. Oh, James chapter 3, so inspirational. James chapter 4, well, it gets pretty rough. It's gloom and doom. It's, it's talking about repentance, and you don't talk about repentance in today's church. It talks about judgment. It talks about humility. It talks, I mean, James comes out and says, you adulterers. And who is he talking to? He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. But James has an objective. James has a strategy. James has a goal. James' goal is to take us to verse 10. And there it summarizes all that James is trying to teach us in this context and this passage. James chapter 4 verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord. If you'll put that on the screen please. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, we often... We often view God as being 
an angry, neurotic, perfectionistic parent, a, a heavenly father that has a, a mega OCD problem, and he's constantly watching us for the least little mistake, the, the, the least little a misstep, and then bam, wham, he punishes us. Because we have failed him. And that is the distorted, warped view that many, not just in the world, but in the church, have of our Heavenly Father. And nothing could be more contrary and diametrically opposed to the Word of God. Listen to what we find in James chapter 4, verse 10. There we read... James writes, and he will lift you up. This is God's plan. This is God's goal for your life and my life. More so when you do a word study on this phrase. I did a word study on, and he will lift you up. And guess what we find and discover? In the original language, the Greek language, it literally means, and he will lift you up and honor you. He's not just going to lift you up off the floor because he's, you know, slapped you silly and you've been cowering and, oh God, give me mercy. And he, he beats you up and then lifts you up. No, that's not what it means. It means that God has a desire. God has a passion. God has a purpose to exalt you, to honor you. Look at the next thing I found when as I studied it. It literally means honor and exalt. Many Bible translations, this is the way they translate James 4 verse 10. And God will lift you up. He will honor you. He will exalt you. What does this all mean to us? What does it all add up to? It's promotion time. It's promotion time. I want to talk to you about promotion time this morning. You see, it's God's desire to bless. Fill in the blank with me this morning. One of the most important things for Christians to realize is that it's God's will to bless us, to grant us his favor, and to promote us. Listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 75, for promotion and power. What, it comes from the White House? No, it comes from God's house in heaven. It comes from nowhere on earth. It only comes from God. He promotes one and he disposes another. He's in control. The psalmist says in, in Psalms chapter 5 verse 12, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with what? Your favor as with a shield. Favor. What does favor mean? Favor means living with preferential treatment. Favor means living with privilege. Favor means living with promotion, not demotion. There it is. It's God's will to protect you. It's God's will to prosper you. It's God's will to provide for you, to heal you, to promote you. Not to demote you. God is for us. He desperately loves us. How do you know, pastor? Look at the cross. 
Look at Calvary, where God sent his best, his only begotten son. If you ever question if God really loves you, ask the Lord to give you a fresh revelation of Jesus on the cross. How many of you would allow your, your son or your daughter to die for somebody? You just answered the question. If you ever doubt how desperately, how passionate God loves you, God went the distance, God sent his best, God performed the best, he gave Jesus to you. If you were the only one ever created, Jesus would have died for you because God so loves you. He desires to bless you to show you his favor. He desires to promote you. It's promotion time. Tragically, many Christians, either through ignorance of God's character, ignorance of his promises, or, or their lack of expectation faith, are living below their privileges. They're living below their privileges. Now, I, I don't know what it was like on your honeymoon. You know, the honeymoons today are really foreign to the honeymoons that uh, we grew up with, my wife and I. You know, today, you know, like my son, he had to go to Bali, Indonesia. My daughter and her husband, Pastor Ryan, they went to the Mayan Riviera. I keep wondering if Jenny's going to end up going to Mars. I mean, the destinations are so exotic today. We had our honeymoon in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Your pastor made no reservations. Because I was brought up that way. My dad never made any reservations. When you get to a locale, when you get to a town or a city, you shop it out. You, you can spend, you spend the entire day going from motel to motel, hotel to hotel. What kind of deal can you give me? That's what we did on our honeymoon. And I finally, the, everything was too pricely and pricey in Gatlinburg. I ended up in Pigeon Forge at Ramada Inn, 12 bucks a night. And it had a swimming pool. Yes. So when, when we were raising our children, when, when, during the growing up years, when we went on vacation, the kids remember it, I would spend the first day of vacation shopping out the motels. Dummy, dummy, dummy. I mean, get a limited amount of time and, uh, you know, Dad, why don't you go on the, on the web back then? You know, why don't you go on the computer? Go on the internet. I, I said, I want to kick the tires and drive it around the block. I want to see what I'm getting and what kind of deal I can make. And for years, we would drive by Music Road Hotel. Music Road Hotel was special. It had pictures of Elvis all around it. And what really made it special, it had a mini water park. And what really, really, really made it special, the swimming pool had a diving board on it. I, I dare you, I mean, try to find a hotel today with a diving board pool. I mean, they're extinct anymore because of liability. And the kids were begging, Dad, 
Dad, we want to stay. And, and, and Becky, my wife, was twisting my arm. I said, okay, but one condition. The only way we can afford this, we're going to eat at McDonald's every meal. If you agree to that, we'll do that, especially our breakfasts. I said, the way this family eats at breakfast, I said, we're eating at McDonald's. So the first morning, we, we ate at McDonald's. We're staying at Music Road Hotel. And, and, and I, I came back to the, the hotel lobby, and I noticed this big room. And everybody is eating a full breakfast. All they can eat. And I thought, my miserly mind thought, oh, I wonder what kind of deal that they got going here. I wonder how much it costs. So I went to the front desk and I said, by the way, how much extra does eating a full breakfast, as I see these people are enjoying, how much, how much extra does that cost? She looked at me as though I'd lost my mind. She said, are you a guest lodging here at Music Road Hotel? I said, of course, yes, I got room such and such. She said, sir... Sir, it's all included. It's one of the privileges and the benefits of being a guest here at Music Road Hotel. I was so excited. I went up in the elevator. I told Becky. She shook her finger at me. She said, you tightwad. We could have been celebrating this years ago. Christian, are you living below the privileges that God has bestowed in his word into your life? Are you ignorant of his promises? Or by your sheer attitude of, of doubt and unbelief, you're, 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 you're living below, you're living a substandard Lukewarm, milk toast, mediocre, mundane, miserable Christian life because you don't understand all the privileges that are yours in Christ Jesus, your Lord. My Bible, your Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I find nowhere in God's holy writ where God wants to withhold from us, where God wants us poor, He wants us sick, He wants us uh, in defeat, uh, He wants to demote us instead of promote us. If you can find those passages of Scripture where God wants to demote you instead of promote you, I'd sure like to have that fresh revelation because I find it nowhere from cover to cover in my Bible. In fact, from cover to cover in my Bible, I find blessing, favor, privilege, uh, the good things of God. Oh, let me show you real quick here. How about our prosperity? Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get what? Wealth. How about your physical condition? Exodus 23. Worship the Lord your God and His blessing will be on your food and your water. Don't you know you need that today? I will take away sickness from among you, saith the Lord. How about success or failure? 
The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will send a blessing on your homes and on everything you put your hand to. God wants success in your life, not failure. He wants not just some blessings. He wants unlimited blessings. What's the best way to receive prosperity blessings from God? Health and wealth from God. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He's promised to protect you and your family. Jesus said in Luke 10, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. There are so many seeking happiness today. They're working their fingers to the bone to be happy, and all they end up with are bony fingers. For the Christian, for the child of God, what has been promised us? Contentment, satisfaction, peace. The psalmist puts it this way. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you want real peace in life, you won't find peace in a pill. It's found in a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And as you look around in this world, as you look all around you, are you asking yourself, is this all there is? No. The best for the Christian is yet to come. Jesus said in John 10, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. <laughs> Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Yes. Does God promise us just some good things? No, he's promised us all good things to come our way. All good things will ultimately be restored in the believer. Paul said to Timothy, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Hallelujah. Give him praise and glory this morning. He is for you, not against you. He wants to promote you and not demote you. There it is. Well, pastor, that sounds good. Pastor, what's the pathway? The pathway to promotion. Oh, James reveals the pathway to God's promotion in our lives is humility. Humility. I submit to you that humility is one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. Sit down 50 Christians and ask them the definition of humility, and you'll get 103 answers. Humility is best defined by what it is not. Humility is not self-deprecation. In other words, humility is not always walking around mumbling, I'm no good. I'm a nobody. I'm worthless. I'm just good for nothing. That's not humility. Humility is not being wimpy. I can't do anything. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just riding the train to glory in the caboose. I'm just holding the fort for Jesus' coming. 
Humility is not self-deprecation, cutting yourself down. It's not passivity or a wimpish mindset or attitude. James reveals that humility is obedience to the word of the Lord. It's bending your will to his will. It is contrary to Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. It, it, humility is doing it God's way. Humility is being a servant. Humility is showing up at the Christmas big give and putting others first instead of self. Humility is other-centeredness. Humility is a repentant lifestyle. It's every day saying, Lord, if you find anything displeasing in my thoughts, my motives, my words, my actions, Lord, I confess it. Lord, deliver me from it. Lord, take it out of my life. Lord, I want to align my life to your will, to your word, to your ways. Repentance. James reveals that humility is a life of thanksgiving. Are you truly thankful? Anybody can complain. Anybody can criticize. Look at all that we're blessed with. Focus on the good and let God take care of the rest. Amen. Humility is pressing into God's presence and utterly depending upon Him. That's why prayer is so important. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Hallelujah. That's why lifting up your hands and you lifting up your face and voicing your praise and thanksgiving unto the Lord is so vital to your Christian growth. <laughs> we enter His gates with Thanksgiving, we enter his courts with praise. We press into his presence and declare, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible to them that believe. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Humility. It's being like Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. God wants to promote you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to heal you. God wants to show favor in your life. God wants to move you into success, not defeat. He is your heavenly Father, and you are His child, and He wants the best for your life. The pathway to promotion. You see, it's vital to realize that promotion from God only comes to those who are promotion-minded. The promotion-minded. To those who live with expectation. To those who live with expectation. Are you promotion-minded? Do you expect promotion to come your way? Do you expect promotion to be winking at you just around the corner? No matter where you're at or what's happening in your life, do you expect blessing to come knocking at your door? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 teaches us this. Peter teaches us hope to the end for the divine favor that is coming to you. Is this the epitaph of your life? Anybody can say, nothing good comes my way. 
I wasn't born under a lucky star like other people. God doesn't love me as much as he loves others that he blesses. Is that you? Maybe you don't vocalize it. Maybe you don't verbalize it. But that's your mindset. That's the attitude of your heart. God wants to bless you. He wants to show his favor. God wants to promote you. But he can't. As long as you short circuit what he wants to do in your life with your lack of faith. I had the glorious, glorious opportunity over the weekend of putting up the Christmas lights. I thought, I thought with children out of the, I thought in an empty nest syndrome as I finally arrived at this period in my life that I wouldn't have to do that horrendous, horrendous, torturous duty out in the cold and do something that does not really advance the home because you put it up and you got to take it back down again. I don't see rhyme or reason with Christmas lights. I, 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 I mean... I like just putting out my, my reindeer, plug them in, and I'm done. But your pastor's wife comes to me. You know, it used to be, Phil, will you do it for the children? And now, now, now it's, Phil, will you do it for the grandchildren? It's for the grandchildren. Oh. You take those lights out, and, and, you know, you take out the old ones, and, you know, I'm having to repair them. I'm having to wire them, and uh, the ground was all wet, and at one point my feet were wet, and wouldn't you know it, it wasn't the tickling of the Holy Spirit at all. <laughs> I, I'm electrocuting myself here. This is getting pretty unsafe. Uh, it wasn't the anointing. I about killed myself out there. And then string after string after string that I'm taking off of my carefully wrapped uh, my rolls. Only half of the string is working. If anybody can tell me in this church why that happens all the time. Half a string. Half a string. I want a whole string, not a half a string. I'm getting so frustrated I'm just putting up half string lights. On my front yard. I mean, I pull out the fuses, I change the fuses, I jiggle it like crazy. I am not going to check every light bulb. I am not Clark Griswold. Sad to say, I wonder if God sees that time and time and time and time again. You're not, you're not, you're not fully fully out of the kingdom. You're not an unbeliever, yet you're not fully on fire for God either. You're a half-light. You're a half-Christmas-string-light Christian. And somehow, some way, half of you is short-circuiting all that God wants to do in your life. A sure-fire way to short-circuit all of God's blessings, all of God's favor, all of God's promotion in your life is to walk around expecting the worst instead of the best, expecting defeat instead of victory, expecting poverty instead of prosperity, expecting demotion instead of promotion. You hear me in this. Don't go, don't go into heaven and have God say, why were you only a half-light Christian? 
a lukewarm, milk-toast, mundane, mediocre, half-hearted believer. Why? I had my best for you, and you decided to live below your privileges. How can you be promotion-minded? What are the fundamentals? What are the ABCs of being promotion-minded? How can you position your life for blessing and favor? First of all, to be promotion-minded, you need to recognize whose you are. In 1981, 1981, at 25 years of age, I became the youth pastor of the largest youth ministry in the state of Michigan within our fellowship. Ultimately had over 400 young people. I pastored more, more souls at that time than most pastors in the state pastored congregations. When I left, I had a budget of over $100,000 back in 1986. Did I receive that invitation to be their youth pastor because of my expertise, because of my experience, because of my education? Nope. In fact, I had never really youth pastored before for any longevity. I received that opportunity because of who my father was. The senior pastor really didn't know me. He knew my father. And because of my father's character, my father's faithfulness, my father's friendship with him, I was made the new youth pastor at Brightmore Christian Church way over on the west side. I'll never forget when they introduced me for the first time and they had me stand up my secretary of now 28 years, Linda Behringer, pray for her. She's just had a knee replacement. I didn't know her at the time. She didn't know me. When I first stood up in the youth group and was introduced to everyone, adults and youth alike, she screamed out, Oh, he's so young! <laughs> I'll never forget that. I received that blessing, that favor, that promotion because of who my father was. Stop, stop, stop living below your privileges. Stop living in defeatism and negativity because you're basing all of your merit, your blessing, and divine favor on your past, on your experience, on your ability, on your goodness. Let me tell you, all of God's divine promotion is because of grace. It's because of not of who you are, but whose you are, who your father is. And your father is a good God. Your father will make you glad. Your father will never fail you. Your father's king of kings and lord of lords, and he wants the very best for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's trying to speak to many of you here this morning. He's wanting to redirect your life. He's wanting new thoughts, a new walk, and a new talk. He's here this morning. Do you hear what the Spirit is saying to you this morning? Trust your Father. Look unto your Father. The promotion-minded saturate their minds. They saturate their spirits with God's Word on favor. 
favor. The psalmist said in Psalms 119, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. Your word. What's your favorite news channel? What's your favorite news that you listen to on, on the tube? Huh? My favorite's Fox. I, I watch many others, but I would say I'd spend most of my time on Fox News. But let me tell you something about Fox News. You watch Fox News 24-7, and you'll be building a bomb shelter in your backyard. I mean, you watch Fox News all the time. It's doom and gloom. I mean, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's all over. We better move up north and build a log cabin. I mean, and live off the land. You, you hear me in this? You are what you eat. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. What are you allowing to enter the ear gate? What are you allowing to enter the eye gate? What are you uh, subsisting on with your spirit? You will become what you feast upon on a daily basis. And I declare to you, if you want to be promotion-minded, if you want to be a candidate for a miracle, if you want to be a candidate for God's best, feast upon the promises of God. Let yourself, your spirit, subsist on God's purposes, His blessings, His favor for your life. You need to memorize this word. On a daily basis, you need to confess this word and what it says for you and about you. You need to confess prosperity and provision. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I stand upon your word for you. Forgive me of all my iniquities. My God heals me of all my diseases by his stripes. Uh, I am healed and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord, I stand upon your word that declares that though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. If the Lord be for us, who can be against us? I stand upon your word that says, greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. I stand upon your word that says, nothing shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I stand upon your word that says we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. I stand upon your word. Hallelujah that the son of righteousness is risen with healing in his wings. I stand upon your word that in this world we will have tribulation but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said it. I believe it. I receive it. There it is. There it is. Declaring God's promotion on a daily basis in your life is not some spiritual mumbo-jumbo. It's not some spooky mysticism. It is based entirely upon the word, the instruction, the teaching, the written will of God. Listen, everybody's declaring something. Just listen to them. 
Listen to them at work. Listen to them at school. Listen to them <laughs> in traffic. Sometimes you can't hear what they're saying, but you can see the gestures that they're giving. Everybody's confessing something. There are people that go around criticizing all the time, complaining all the time, cursing all the time. Every other word is a curse word, profane, obscene word. I don't need to tell you young people about that. You hear it all the time. You are what you confess. You will possess what you confess. You will literally own what you're speaking out of your mouth. Hear me in this. God is hearing what we're saying. And God, God doesn't fail to notice the negativity, but he doesn't fail to notice the positive either. We are called to confess promotion, to confess God's best in our lives, to confess his favor. When you do, you will expect it. You'll look for it. You'll begin to taste it. You'll be able to feel it. And then God will say, it's promotion time. And it comes because you have not short-circuited. You have completed the circuit. You have allowed God to bless you with promotion. Promotion. That's right. My wife remembers when we were living in Boston once a year for my doctoral residency. And I was going to graduate school doctoral studies in, in Boston, Hamilton, Massachusetts, and we were flying in and out of Logan Airport. And one Saturday night, as I was flying out to preach here on a Sunday morning, we hit the most massive traffic jam you can ever possibly imagine. How is it, why is it that there's always traffic problems when you got to make a flight at the airport? Have you found that? And we were already running a tad late. And, and all of a sudden, everything went into parking lot mode, bumper to bumper. Becky, can I say this? And she'll agree. She's freaking out. She is stressing. I've never seen this before or since with my honey. She broke out in hives from head to foot. Terrible itching hives as she reacted physiologically to the stress. We're going to miss our flight. We're going to miss our flight. We're going to miss our flight. We're going to, we're going to miss our flight. And she, she, she was just losing it. Now, I'm not trying to say I'm super spiritual. Because many times... I'm the one that needs to be lifted up, and she confesses the promises of God. But at that point, I said, Lord, Lord, we need you to show up. <laughs> Lord, we're depending upon you. We need your help. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Oh, God, make a way where there seems to be no way. Just then, a siren began to blare. And it came from behind me, and I saw, no, I wasn't being pulled over. I saw the bubblegum machine. It was an ambulance. And I pulled over to let it squeeze through. And a little voice in me said, get on his bumper. I got on the bumper of that ambulance. And it was like God parting the waters of the Red Sea. And wouldn't you know it, that ambulance went all the way to the airport. We, made a, we had plenty of time to sit and wait for our flight. 
Hallelujah. We serve a good God. He's a great God. Expect promotion. Expect promotion, not demotion. There it is. You see, it's promotion time. Every story I read in the Bible, it's promotion time. Write it down. Despite his terrible, sinful failings, David was called a man after God's own heart because he chose God's pathway to promotion. David was guilty of what? Adultery. He was not guilty of just one murder. If you'll read the narrative all over again, I didn't realize this until this week. He not only ensured the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, but dozens of other soldiers were killed with Uriah when the troops pulled back and abandoned him. David was guilty of dozens of death, deaths over covering up his adulterous sin with Bathsheba. And then God shows up and says, David, thou art the man. How did David react? The Bible says he humbled himself. And he cried out, God, I have sinned. He repented. And yes, David would have to live with sin's consequences. But get this. God created a covenant with David and said, for now unto eternity, a descendant of yours will always sit upon the throne. And God heaped the blessings upon David. Guess what? I mean, I can't figure, if I was God, I wouldn't do this. But God is so merciful. God is so kind. God is so good. Aren't you glad I'm not God? And he's God. I heard that, Sam. <laughs> Who was the next king after David? Solomon. Whose mother was Solomon? You talk about the grace of God. In fact, afterwards, David was able to say in Psalms 23, David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me some of the days of my life, all the days of my life, from then on even. He was claiming promotion, claiming favor, claiming blessing, even though he had fallen into such moral meltdown of sin. Listen, I might be talking to somebody that has really blown it lately. Or in your past. There are terrible skeletons in your closet. And you have been living in the shadow of your failing, your mistake, your sin. All of these years. And I declare to you upon the authority of God's holy scripture, His grace is greater than your sin. <laughs> he is a God of mercy. He is a God of blessing. He is a God of favor. As long as you have repented and you have turned to God, He will also say of you, He is a man, she is a woman who is after my heart. Blessing will come. Favor will come. Promotion. It's promotion time as long as you follow God's pathway of humility and repentance. How about Job? How about Job? It's doubtless that any are going to suffer like Job. You think you've had a bad week, a bad day? You need to read the book of Job. In one moment, 
Job lost his finances, his business. He lost his children. He lost his health. All that was left to Job were three lousy friends who told him that God was punishing him because there was sin in his life. He was left with boils covering him from head to foot. Have you ever had one boil? And then he was left with a woman, his wife, who said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? She was a real piece of work, wasn't she? Real comforter, real encourager. Just throw in the towel, curse God, and then die, Job. But how did Job respond? How did Job respond? Job expected promotion. Job expected promotion to be just around the corner. Listen to what Job says in Job chapter 10. Job says, God, I know that you have granted me what? Favor. Now, for you Bible students, here's a question. For you Bible students, here's a question. In what chapter, in what chapter did God promote Job with blessings, favor, with the double portion? In the end, the Bible says God gave Job double blessings, double what he lost. In what chapter? In chapter Job chapter 42, when Job forgave his friends and prayed for them, God poured out uh, double blessings. God said, it's promotion time. That means in Job chapter 10, Job was already having the mindset of promotion and favor. But it wasn't until chapter 42 that that favor, that promotion came. My word to you is this, hang in there. Hang in there. It's too soon to quit. Don't quit. Keep trusting God. Keep pressing in. Keep persevering. Pastor, pastor, I'm at the end of my rope. Then tie a knot in it. Hang on. Hold on. <laughs> it's too soon to quit. Jesus said, they that endure to the end will be saved. Don't turn around. Don't be detoured. Don't be distracted. Don't be delayed. Live forward. Uh, expect the blessing. Expect the favor. It's promotion time. Hallelujah. How many of you have siblings? How many of you have brothers and sisters? How many of you had a glorious time with your brothers and sisters this Thanksgiving? I heard that. Oh, family reunions can be a lot of fun, can't they? But you've never had siblings like Joseph. Fill in the blank with me if you would. Though terribly rejected, betrayed, and abused, Joseph enjoyed God's promotion because he chose to be better instead of bitter. Can you imagine your brothers, your sisters, so rejecting you, so betraying you, that they sell you into slavery? Joseph was sold into slavery, a living death sentence. Sold into slavery in Egypt. And there in Egypt, he's falsely accused of rape. And now he ends up in prison. 13 years in prison. Yet, guess what? He didn't stop trusting God. He didn't stop believing in God. He didn't stop following God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, because of his 
promotion-mindedness. In Genesis chapter 39, three times, three times, what do we hear? The favor of God was upon Joseph. The favor of God was upon Joseph. The favor of God was upon Joseph. Joseph positioned himself expecting blessing, favor, and promotion so that on that day of days when God said it's time, in one day, God said it's promotion time. And God took Joseph from the pit to the palace. He took him from the prison to the vice presidency of the entire land of Egypt. And what God did for Joseph, he can do it for you. In one day, in one day, in one moment, God can promote you. His will is promotion, not demotion. My question is, are you expecting it? Are you looking forward to it? Are you trusting? Are you believing for it? This is God's word. This is God's will. Are you trusting the Lord? Are you trusting Him to lift you up, honor you, and exalt you? Perhaps this morning you're sick in body and you've come to this service with a bad doctor's diagnosis. I declare to you that Dr. Jesus is still in the healing business. He's still in the miracle business. By His stripes, you are healed. It's promotion time. Receive it and believe it this morning. Maybe I'm talking to someone who's struggling financially this morning. You're struggling with paying the bills. The best financial advice that I could ever possibly give you. Stop going to the seminars. Stop going to the consultants. And read the best financial book that has ever been written. Learn to live to give. Invest in God's work. Jesus said, give and you will receive. Press down, shaken together, and running over. For with the same measure that you give, it shall be given unto you. Listen, honey, it's promotion time. <laughs> Lift up your head. God wants to prosper you. There it is. Perhaps, perhaps your heart is broken this morning. You've come off of Thanksgiving and you've been confronted once again with the fact that your children, your family members, not living for God the way they should. There's no hurt that goes deeper than a child that is not right with God, not living for God, not where they should be with God. I want to remind you upon the authority of God's Word that because of your investment in them, you have brought them to church, you made sure they were under teaching and preaching, you read God's Word to them, you invested God's Word, you planted the seed of God's promises in their life, and I wanted you to know this morning that God's Word will not return void. I said God's Word will not return void. You can claim the promise that Paul the Apostle gave to the Philippian jailer. Paul said to that jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your entire family will be saved. I am believing this morning with you in a partnership of faith that God is in the business of saving entire families. Hallelujah! It's promotion time! 
And when you know that you know that it know that it's promotion time, you can take your stand with Joshua and say, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. I claim it. I believe it. I receive it. It's promotion time. I can taste it. It's coming. Amen. 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 Ah, oh, you watch Fox News. And you see the moral meltdown. You see the perversion. You see the violence, the bloodshed, the killing, the warring, the terrorism. I mean, it'll drag you down. Unless you confess the promises of God. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things happen, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Begin expecting. Begin believing. Begin hoping and seeing. For promotion doesn't come from below. Promotion comes from above. Honey, sir, ma'am, I don't know. It might be morning. It might be noon. It might happen in the evening. Oh, I know it's going to happen soon. <laughs> the Father, our Heavenly Father on His throne is going to lean over to the Son and say, Son, it's promotion time. Go after them and the eastern skies will unzip and He will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be with the Lord forevermore. Oh, stand up and give Him praise and glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's promotion time. It's promotion time. It's promotion time. There it is. Father, I ask and pray that Lord in this hour we would know and keenly be aware and understand who we are and whose we are in Christ Jesus. Lord, it's not your will to curse, but to bless. It's not your will for demotion, but promotion. God, I pray that you will quicken that in our spirits as never before. Lord, help us not to short-circuit what you want to do in our lives through lack of faith, living below our privileges, or from the sheer fact that we're just not your child. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. And I would ask that there be no looking around in the privacy of this moment. Are you God's child? Do you know that you know that you know that you've been adopted into the family of God? Heaven is your home and Jesus is your Savior. Do you know that for sure? For sure. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If there is the least bit of uncertainty in your life regarding your relationship with God, I want to give you the opportunity to repent. 
to humble yourself before the Lord and invite Jesus to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you want to be included in that prayer this morning, a prayer that will make you right with God and grant you a new life in Him. Promotion! And ultimately, promotion to heaven on that day of days. If you want to be included in this prayer, would you just lift up your hand right now as a sign of your faith? Don't wait. Don't wait. Lift it up right now. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, up on the balcony. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up. You're really lifting it up for Jesus. This is a demonstration of your faith in your God who cannot and will not fail you or forsake you. Lift it up. How many more this morning? Just before I pray, keep those hands lifted up right now. Keep those hands lifted up. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer. But for you that have your hands lifted up, make this prayer your prayer. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me, Jesus. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. New life, Lord. I want that life a changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me. I thank you, Jesus, that I have a home in heaven and promotion time is coming. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. I believe it and I receive it. Amen. Let's give God the glory this morning for souls, souls saved.